0: Hey, church, so good to see you guys today. Hello to everybody in Knoxville. You guys are close to your new location. That's exciting. Hey, if God's been good to you this week, can we give him a praise this morning? Give a shout of praise. He's been good. This is a really exciting season in the life of our church as we are three weeks out from Easter. And so uh, a lot of great opportunities for you to connect with Foothills Church, but It's also a great opportunity for you to join the mission of God and see God change somebody's life. And that's what it's all about. And so I I hope that you'll take advantage of the things that are happening. Three weeks from now is Easter. The week before Easter is Let's Go Week. And if you're new to FC, uh, you know, if you're watching the NCAA tournament like myself and my bracket has already been busted, thank you, Purdue. Uh, I don't know why I had Purdue anyway, but anyway... Uh, you see the guys, they, they make the shot, they get the dunk, they get the momentum, they get excited and they look at each other and what do they say? Let's go! Right? Turn to the person next to you and say, let's go! That's what the week before Easter is like here at Poodle's Church. We got to go, we got to serve together and we're asking you to give up one hour, two hours During that week to actually serve our community, to get engaged with the rest of the community that calls uh, Foothills Church their home and serve our community. And so uh, there are multiple projects that you can look at and sign up for on our website. If you look at that thing and you say, I have a better idea, you can choose your own project. Just let us know what it is. We'll help resource you and get people there. Uh, whatever it is, we want to use that week to go as a community to serve um, our neighbors in, 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 in city. And so I hope you'll do that and join me and join the rest of us in that. And then, of course, on Good Friday, we've got uh, our, uh, we'll, we'll be our, in our family fun night deal, like, which is at three different parks, two in Maryville, one in Knoxville. That's an opportunity for you to invite friends to. It's an opportunity to invite people that don't go to church. Uh, we're going to have an Easter egg hunt there. We're going to be you know, grilling food and just a great atmosphere. For your, bring your lawn chair and it's going to be a great night. That's Good Friday. Good Friday, we're also releasing an original song called Believe. So download that. Help us promote that. And, uh, and then, of course, Easter. And uh, here in Maryville, we've got a Saturday night service and then two uh, on Sunday morning. If you're serving on Sunday, we hope you'll come to that Saturday night service. Um, And then in uh, Knoxville, we've got our 11 o'clock there. And so uh, great opportunities for us to invite people to church. Uh, A lot of people are gonna go to church on Easter. Like out of all the Sundays in the year, like Christmas is a close second, but it's still second. People are gonna wake up on that Sunday morning and go, I think we should probably go to church somewhere. It's it's Easter, right? We should do that. And that's why it's important for us the week before, even now, inviting them, putting, planting some seeds in their mind as we get ready. So I hope you'll do that. Hey, if you've got a Bible, let's go to John chapter three. We're in a sermon series called Hold On, Let Go. And the idea and the concept here is, is this reality that life is really filled with things that we are constantly holding on to And then there are things that we have to learn to let go of. And it's a series of decisions that we have to make. And in fact, one of the keys to life is knowing the things that you need to hold on to and when the appropriate time is to let go of some things. Uh, For instance, you want to hold on to Jesus. You want to hold on to faith in Jesus always. You want to hold on to your integrity, your character. You want to hold on to your spouse always, right? But then there are some things like toxic relationships, like when, when is it the right time to let go of those relationships or are you holding on to those toxic relationships and continually impact your spiritual growth in a negative way? Those are decisions you have to make. Uh, your hobbies are great things. Every, every guy, every lady has to have a hobby, right? So there is a point in time, though, that when the hobby becomes something that is draining you spiritually, that's something that is preventing you from growing spiritually. Uh, sometimes it's just like, hey, I'm too old for this kind of thing, right? And so you've got to learn to let go of some of those hobbies and, and hold on to something new. For some of you, you're newly married and so you probably got some bad spiritual habits, some, some bad relational habits. And so in order to save your marriage, you like, you've got to begin to figure out, okay, what are the habits I've got to let go of and what are the new ones I've got to hold on Two, some of you are holding on to sin. We gotta let go of sin. So bitterness, anger, envy, jealousy. Are we gonna be able to let go of those things and hold on to the things of the spirit that God calls us to? If you wanna grow spiritually, you've gotta learn. What are the things I gotta let go of? What are the things I need to hold on to? Some of you have a successful career and like you've, you've done well and things are going really good but it doesn't feel like you thought it was going to feel. And so for some of you, you're in this phase of like, I've got to let go maybe some goals and some dreams because because my life has changed and, and those goals, those dreams don't make sense anymore. Some of you are students and you're maybe transitioning from middle school to high school or high school to college or college to the workforce and so... You've got to let go of some things in order to embrace the new things that God wants you to experience. There's a million examples that I could use and maybe some of those hit home for you or maybe even right now the Holy Spirit is just kind of entering in your mind the things that are going on in your specific phase of life that you need to let go of. And that's really the question today and moving forward over the next three weeks is really what are we holding on to today that's preventing us from experiencing the spiritual growth that God wants us to experience. If you don't end some things in your life soon, the future that you desire really may never come to pass. Growth demands that we move forward. We can't live in the past. We can't uh, go back to the past. We know that, but so often our mind just wanders there and stays there. But growth demands that we move forward. And to move forward you're gonna have to let go of some things. So the illustration in the video that we saw is, is of a rock climber. And some of you would never do that, uh, but some of you would do that, you love it. And, and uh, like there's this rock wall and it's kind of this illustration of life. Like we're, we're all kind of on the wall in our own journey. And in, in order to climb up that mountain, you've got to reach up and you've got to grab a hold of a ledge, a rock, and then pull yourself up. And in that moment, you can choose to stay where you're at. This rock might be comfortable. It may not be too high. And so you feel safe. But if you want to continue to go up the mountain, if you want to continue to grow and move forward, you're going to have to let go of this hold. And you're going to have to reach up for the next ledge, the next rock. Right? And if you don't, you'll get stuck. And some of you are spiritually stuck today. You're stuck on the, on the, on the face of the mountain. Like you don't want to go back down like where you used to be that's not good but you're afraid to keep moving forward because of some things that you're going to have to let go of and some new things that you're going to have to lean into and I hope this series is a series that will motivate you to get out of that stuckness to get out of being stuck and to grow spiritually because if you don't change then you won't grow and I know change is scary Moving up that mountain is scary. Taking a hold of a new uh, rock or ledge is intimidating, but life is just filled with a series of choices like that that we have to make on our journey. What are the things that you need to hold on to? What are the things that you need to let go of? Today, I'm gonna talk to you about how a new life begins when you let go of at least three things. And we're gonna look at John 3. We're gonna look at a guy by the name of Nicodemus today, because he is experiencing a lot of what you might be experiencing in your phase of life. You know, so often people um, want a new life, but they don't actually want to let go of anything to gain it. So often that is the case. We want to keep climbing, but we don't want to let go of the safety that we feel today. But if you don't let go of the comfort, you're going to stay stuck. Letting go is a natural part of life. We just have to learn how to do it. You can't stay in high school forever. You can't stay in college forever. You can't live at home forever, right? You've got to move on. You've got to take the next step that God wants you to take. Some of you are stuck. And you know what God uses sometimes in order to get us moving when we're stuck? We don't like to hear this, but a lot of times God brings pain into our life. He brings a season of suffering in our life. If you get stuck and you find yourself in a season of Of pain or suffering that's one of the greatest motivators to get you moving forward and get you going up the mountain even though we don't like to hear that sometimes the pain that is in our life keeps us stuck or we keep looking in the back but God's like no 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 that's there to move you forward and we don't want to look at that suffering as if oh God made that happen and, and, and and he's the bad guy no 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 what God will do, though, bad things happen in life because we live in a sinful, broken world. But when those things happen, the beauty of God is that he'll take those suffering, painful moments and he'll use them for your good and for his glory if you let go and you hold on to him. I love what Dr. Henry Cloud said. He said, we, we change our behavior when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing consequences give us the pain that motivates us to change. You catch that? Sometimes we get stuck because we're afraid of the pain that it's going to cause to move forward. I've got I've to move on from this relationship. I've got to move on from this job. I've got to move on from these bad habits. But if I let go of some of these things, then that's going to hurt. But sometimes when we realize that the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of moving, and he says that's the greatest motivator. And some of you might find yourself there. He actually wrote a book called Necessary Endings, which if this series kind of hits you different, I encourage you to pick that book up. It's really helpful. In John 3, Nicodemus is a guy who is a Pharisee, which means he's uh, the most educated, wealthy. Um, he's in the upper tier of the class system. Uh, everybody looks to him as a leader. He's on the Sanhedrin, which was like the, uh, a group of 70 men, w- w- which were like the, the senators, the governors, the police officers, they, they were everything in that culture. Like they decided the rules and, 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 and they were the, the judge, they were the jury of everything. And so he's a very popular guy. He was a famous person at that time. He had the money, he had the prestige. And, and so he's faced with some decisions here as he meets Jesus. He's faced with the decision of some things that he's got to let go of if he's gonna actually embrace and hold on to Jesus. Just like some of us. He comes to Jesus at night, and we don't know why he comes at night. A lot of people speculate and say, well, he didn't want other people uh, knowing that he was gonna talk to Jesus because he's a religious guy and he didn't want to be associated with Jesus, and maybe that was it, or maybe he just wanted to, you know, be one-on-one with Jesus. We don't know, but he comes at night and he has a conversation, and it's a conversation that you need to have with the Lord. And let go of some things as well. And so here's what it says. John 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? What in the world are you talking about, Willis? Like, he doesn't know. What a little 1980s reference there for you. What are you saying about being born again here, Jesus? In the midst of this conversation, we're seeing that this new life can begin for Nicodemus, if he lets go of a few things. And the same is true for you and I. And the first thing I want you to write down is simple. It's this, let go of worldly knowledge and hold on to the wisdom of Jesus. You and I have to be willing to let go of worldly knowledge and hold on to the wisdom of Jesus. You see, he was a Pharisee. He had a lot of wisdom. He had a lot of knowledge. He had a lot of knowledge about the law. He had a lot of knowledge about the Old Testament. He had a lot of knowledge. Some of you have a lot of knowledge. You're really, 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 really smart. You've got the degrees and the doctors and the PhDs and you're, you're leading an organ, organization and you're leading a business and you're, you're doing incredible things. You've got a lot of worldly knowledge that is benefiting you. But when it comes to spiritual things, you're, you're, you're not so wise, And so we've got to be willing to let go of the the knowledge of the world. It has its place, but there's no place, spiritually speaking, when it comes to faith, when it comes to heaven, when it comes to sin, right? And this is where Nicodemus is at. In verse 2, he says, we know you're a good teacher. We know you're a teacher. Okay, a lot of people would say, yeah, Jesus was a good teacher, but is that all he was? Was he just a good teacher? I mean, you can talk to an atheist, a skeptic about Christianity, and, and a lot of them will say, well, yeah, I mean, I think Jesus was a good guy, and I think he was, you know, a good teacher. And some of you have heard that, and you've even, you've even said that, and, you know, they would compare him to Muhammad or, or Gandhi. These are people that, you know, did a lot of good in the world. They're just good teachers, and that's really kind of where it ends. But is he really a good teacher? Have you ever thought about it logically, some of the things Jesus said? Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is making a very ex- an exclusive statement there. He's saying that our religions are not the same. In fact, he's saying that other religions will lead to hell. There's only, there's only one pathway, there's only one There's only one way in order for us to experience a relationship with God and eternal life. Now, he's either a liar for saying that, or he's not a very good teacher, or he's telling the truth. And you and I have to decide. Nicodemus had to decide, wait a minute. Who's this guy think he is? I know what my knowledge and wisdom say, and that's not what not, not what Jesus is saying. He also said, we can tell you you're from God in verse two. I know you're from God. And again, a lot of skeptics, a lot of atheists would, would agree with that. Yeah, I think, you know, he believed in God and he was a man of God. He was a good prophet. A lot of people would say that, but Jesus is not just saying he is from God. Jesus said that he is God in human form. So again, We have to wrestle with this. We've got to let go of the the, the knowledge that we have gained from the world on the topic of Christianity or who Jesus is or evidence. And we have to look to the evidence ourselves. Some of you are holding on to a knowledge of Jesus that you have heard or that you have learned from maybe a college professor. And you've been kind kind of led down a path of, of skepticism, and, and, and you've been kind of led through all of this, and, and this person who you, you know, kind of look up to as this smart person because they have letters behind their name. And you've kind of listened to that and been convinced by that. And my, my question for you is, you know, worldly wisdom is one thing. We're, we're, sorry, worldly knowledge is one thing. Godly wisdom, totally different. So you've got to go to the evidence. You've got to go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, and you've got to read them for yourselves. Don't just take my word for it. Don't take your parents' word for it. Definitely don't take your college professor's word for it. You read the Gospels for yourself. This is Matthew who is with Jesus. You've got Mark. You've got Luke. You've got John. These are eyewitnesses of the miracles of Jesus, or at least really close friends to the eyewitnesses of Jesus. People say, oh, well, there's lots of gospels and they just left them out. They left them out because they didn't align with the theology that is taught in the other ones. It'd be like writing the history of the Civil War and then someone saying, oh yeah, and then Japan came in and, you know, they helped the North win. You're like, what are you talking about? That's not, that can't go in the history book because that's not Right it's the same way. There's a lot of stuff written, but the inspired word of God is what we recognize as coming from God, from eyewitnesses or close friends to eyewitnesses. And so you got to read them for yourself, man. You you've got to understand them, in the words of Jesus and his wisdom and, and make your own educated, right? Use your brain logically and see if it's true for yourself. Some of you grew up in a church and you were hurt by a church and You have friends that have been hurt by Christians and so they're like, I don't go to church anymore. I love Jesus, but they hurt me. Well, get in line, man. I mean, people are sinful and they're hurtful. And I've been in church my whole life as a pastor's kid. I I can't even count how many people have hurt me and my family. Like, it's just part of life, but you're gonna get hurt at work. You're gonna get hurt at church. You're gonna get hurt in your own family because we're broken. We went through a sermon series on 1 Corinthians last summer and it was like, we called it messy because the Corinthian church was messy. They hurt each other. And and, 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 and Paul is telling them how to act and how to treat each other and how to restore broken relationships. He doesn't tell us to run from the church. Jesus calls the church the bride of Christ. He says that he promises to build his church. And so being a Christian and not connected to a church is like a piece of fruit that you would pick off a tree and then throw it on the ground. It's going to decay and rot. And the same is true for you. I mean, I know people hurt you, but you've got to learn just like everything else, we got to forgive, so we got to hold on to Jesus, and we got to take the next step forward. Some of you have learned uh, a knowledge about Jesus because you've been, you know, grew up with Hollywood, you know. And so you've been watching movies and TV shows your whole life. And, you know, what Hollywood and, and, and TV teach us are that dads are idiots and Uh, pastors are, you know, egomaniac, evil, pedophile, weenie people, right? Um, And that if uh, Christians are the source of all the hate and evil in the world. And so we are always depicted as evil in Hollywood. You grow up with that, you see that enough, you become a little skeptical, don't you? And it's just part of the culture that we live in. And so you're going to have to let go of worldly knowledge and hold on to who Jesus is and what he actually says. Nicodemus had to do the same thing. He had learned a lot, but he had to let it go. Here's a second thing he had to do, and what you and I have to do. You've got to let go of religion and hold on to transformation. You see, a Pharisee knew all the rules about religion. They knew all the boxes to check. They knew all the laws of God, all the law of Moses. They even added hundreds more you know, to the list of the rules that you had to follow in order to be right with God. And so he knew all about what it me- meant to keep rules, but keeping the rules doesn't save you. Living a religious lifestyle doesn't mean that you've been changed by Jesus. It doesn't mean that you're going to heaven. You need transformation. And Jesus calls that being born again, being born Again, Nicodemus had religion. He was the king of religion. And that's why Jesus said, no, 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 no. You don't need religion. You need to be born again. You need to be transformed. Religion says I can get in good with God just by doing a few good things here and there. I hear it all the time from all the country boys that I love in East Tennessee. Good dudes, you know, manly good dudes that I love hanging out with but you have a broken theology when it comes to this, you will recognize that you have messed up and that you are a sinner and that there are problems in your life. You're the first to admit that, which is great. But the way that you try to solve that is you say, well, I'm just trying to do right now. I gotta give up this and give up that and then I'll be good with God. Then I'll go to church or I go to church, you know, and it becomes religion. It becomes you trying to check a few boxes to get God to say you're okay because that's what religion is. Religion says, I, I've got to give up part of my life. I got to give up part of this and I'm just not ready to give that part up. And Jesus is like, dude, no, it's not part of your life. It's everything. It's a, it's a complete dying to yourself. That's what it is, All right? Religion says, I've got to give up this habit. I got to give up this habit. I better not do that anymore. And if I do that anymore, then, then I'm not good. And, and, and it's so, it's so deceptive. So, it, it, I'm sorry, but it's just so dumb. I got to give up dipping. I got to quit smoking, man. And then I'm going to, what? As if that's a box that's going to get you right with God? Like, I don't care if you do that. There's nothing in the, well, what about your pride? <laughs> Amen. Is it Pride's a little bit, bigger, right? I mean, we're dealing with stronger, heavier, weightier things. And some of us are like, well, I just got to quit cussing. And when I quit cussing, then I'll be right with God. <laughs> really? That's the least of your problems, right? You've got a bigger issue. You have so much sin in your life that with, within the last five seconds, you and I deserve an eternity in hell. Some of you are <laughs> Bro, I thought I was doing pretty good, man. I'm actually listening today. What are you ta- Got my attention. Have you loved the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength? No, you haven't, and neither have I. And that is enough to send us an e- for an eternity separated from God. Praise God, we don't have to live under that condemnation. We can have forgiveness by the grace of Jesus. And he calls it being born again. It's a transformation. I would paraphrase it like this. When you are conceived and born by your human parents, you share in a human nature. And when you are conceived and born again by the Holy Spirit, you share now in God's spiritual nature. You become a child of God. The Holy Spirit lives within you. Your first birth makes you alive in a human life, your second birth makes you come alive spiritually. Your first birth wires you to an earthly father. Our second birth wires you to your heavenly father. Our first birth gives us an appetite for red meat and a good reputation. Our second birth gives us an appetite for God, a thirst for righteousness. Our first birth leads us to live selfishly. Our second birth leads us to lose our lives for the sake of Christ. This is transformation. Jesus is not offering you a new religion. He's offering you a new life, a brand new life. And in one sense, Nicodemus is alive, he's breathing, but in the spiritual sense, Nicodemus is spiritually dead. Remember in the parable of the prodigal son from Pastor Todd last week. Great message. If you missed it, go back and watch it. But we read the scripture where the father said, this son was dead and is alive again. What's he talking about? Apart from faith in Christ, we are spiritually dead and you need to come alive. Apart from Christ, the Bible says that you're an enemy of God, that you're spiritually dead and you are alive to sin and Because of that sin nature, we are guilty of breaking every law that he gives us. And if we don't come alive spiritually, we're eternally separated from him when we die. But that new birth, that born again spirit, uh, spiritual moment in your life is when you pass from death to light. The spirit of God saves you. He gives you faith in Jesus You are born again. You move from death to life. The Spirit of God, you see, convicts us of sin, draws us into this conversation, draws us into the knowledge of the gospel. The Holy Spirit opens up your ears and your eyes to truly hear the gospel. And then he saves you as you are placing your faith in Jesus. And he gives you a brand new identity. He changes you from a slave to sin to a son of God. He moves you from having no purpose to having ultimate purpose in Christ. It is a beautiful experience. If you want to see the kingdom of God, he says, you must be born again. There's no other way around it. You've got to start over. And for some of you, that sounds great. You'd love to start over. You'd love a do-over. I mean, I need to be forgiven. I would love just for everything that I've kind of gone through to be like done I'm ready for new. This is what he offers, a new life. For Nicodemus though, this was, a, this was a speed bump because for Nicodemus, he was already successful. He was already at the top tier of his gig. Like he, he, he had reached the pinnacle of his career. He had the money, he had the authority, he had the house, the family. He had everything that he needed And you see success can get in the way of your faith in Christ. Because you have everything you need. You don't see the need for Jesus. But Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. His point was exactly what we're talking about. When you are successful, when you have material things, you lean into those things, you are comfortable with those things. You don't feel a sense, a burden that there is something more, that you need something deeper. And that's why Jesus comes on the scene and he says, you need to be born again. And so you've got to let go of religion and hold on to the transformation that Jesus offers to you. Jesus says in John five twenty four, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life death to life. Have you experienced that? Have you moved from spiritually dead to alive in Christ? The Bible calls that a new creation. Have you been born again? I know it's a very churchy word now, but not back then when Jesus brought it on the scene, it had been a brand new idea. That's why Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about, man? How can a grown man go back in the womb? That's just gross, man. I don't know what you're, what, what the heck, right? He's like, no, 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 I'm talking about spiritually, spiritually coming alive. College professors are going to teach you that people are basically good. You're going to hear that. People are basically good. Sure, there's some bad apples in the bunch. But by and large, people are generally good. But the Bible teaches us exactly the opposite. We've got to let go of worldly knowledge. We've got to hold on to the words of Jesus. And the Bible teaches us that we're fundamentally flawed by a sin nature. And that separates us from God and keeps us out of heaven. We don't like to hear that. We don't like to embrace that. But when Jesus says, you and I need to be born again, what he is saying is that your spirit is fundamentally wrong and broken. It's like a disease. It is a sin nature that infects every part of our being. Some of you might be confused about your salvation. You might be confused about faith. And maybe it's because you've never been born again. You've never experienced that transformation. In verses 7 to 8, he's talking about the spirit, the pneuma. It's the Greek word for spirit. He says the spirit gives birth to spirit, right? And he gives this example, there's straight illustration. He says you can't see the wind, but you know it's there because it moves things around and you can feel it. Think about that. The spirit of God moves things and you can feel it. When you see a kite in the air, maybe you're at the beach or you're flying a kite, you look up at that kite and you're like, something's, something's there. Something's moving that kite and keeping it up in the air. Now you're educated enough to know it's the wind, but you can't see it. But you know something is moving it. There's something there that you can't see, but you know it's there. It's moving stuff around and you can feel it. For some of you, you would say, I've never felt the spirit move. He hasn't changed me. You might claim to have the spirit of God, but the kite's not flying. The kite's not moving. You know how you know somebody's been changed by the power of God? They changed from living their life this direction and this way, and now they're living in a completely different direction of their life. They've been moved. They've been changed. They felt something. God has changed them. When the Spirit of God is in you, you can see the result of having him in your life. It's not perfection. Of course not. But there is a direction and a love for God and a sense of of, of serving him that is in our life. And if that's not you, you've got to let go of religion. And the checking of the boxes and trying to do better and trying to get God to approve of you by doing all this stuff and realize that faith in Jesus is what you've got to hold on to. It's transformation. Jesus calls it being born again. And then finally, the third thing that we need to stick with is that we've got to let go of position and hold on to surrender. Think about Nicodemus' position. Here he is, man. He is large and in charge. And if he puts his faith in Jesus, he's going to have to lose his job, which means he won't have money for his house, which means that he's going to lose some friends. He's going to lose his influence. I mean, he'll probably lose some family members to this decision. Like his whole world is rocked if he puts his faith in Jesus. He has to be willing to let go of that, let go of the position. He's got to be willing to surrender. Now we live in America and so you're, You're not going to lose your job if you have faith in Jesus, but it could change things in the office. Hello? It could change some things. You may not get the promotion. You may not get the raise that you deserve. It it may mean that, you know, you you do lose some family members. It may mean that you can't be friends with certain people because it's a toxic situation going on there. It could be a lot of uh, results that take place, but are you willing to say yes to Jesus anyway. Because you know, if I surrender to Jesus and I trust Him, He's gonna provide everything that I need in my future. It's holding on to that rock and reaching up to the next. I trust that He's gonna give me a steady hold. He's gonna give me a firm foundation as I continue to seek Him and follow Him. Folks, if you want life transformation, you've gotta be willing to let go of worldly knowledge. You gotta let go of religion you've got to let go of your position, you've got to hold on to Jesus. Now Nicodemus is saying, how, how can this be? What are we talking about? So he continues in the story. I know there's a paragraph break in your Bible, but you know, we humans, we came along and we made the paragraphs and the verses and the chapters. It was all one section when it was originally written, but we're organized people, and so that's why we did it. But Let's look at verse 16. You know this one. You know it. Maybe you just didn't know it was connected to Nicodemus and what he had to let go of. John 3.16, I mean, for God so loved the world that he what? Say it with me. Yeah. He gave. He gave his only son. Why? Why? that whoever believes in him should not perish now we all will die physically we know that that's part of our part of the result of sin but the word perish here refers to the second death those that believe in Jesus live forever with him those that do not believe in Jesus will be eternally separated from him the bible calls that perishing or the second death but whoever believes in him i love that word too by the way whoever Turn to the person beside you and say, whoever means you. Tell them, preach to them a little bit. Whoever means you. It doesn't matter what your past looks like, right? How bad or ugly it might be. Whoever includes you, believes in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Have you believed in Jesus? Have you put your faith in him? Has he saved you? Have you been born again? Have you experienced that new life? Jesus is dying on the cross as a payment for your sin. He dies, he raises from the grave, proving, by the way, that he was the son of God, that he was who he said he was, showing us that he has the power over death, that he is the son of God. He was the Messiah, is the Messiah. And what he's saying is when you believe that I am the son of God, that I died on the cross for your sin, and you recognize that you're a sinner, and you ask God to forgive you, and you put your faith in that death and resurrection as the payment for your sin, you'll be saved. You'll be born again, spiritual transformation. You'll move from death to life when your faith is in Christ. You've gotta know him more than just as a good teacher, more than a guy who was a prophet or a good person. If you think that's all he is, then you're gonna spend the rest of your life trying to follow him, but that's not gonna energize you. That's not gonna motivate you. You need to know him as your savior. You need to know him as the savior of the world. I, um, I love the story of uh, some friends in our church. Uh, Callie had a friend named Jared. Callie is a Foothills uh, partner. I mean, she, she's been with us. So she was inviting her friend, Jared, who wasn't in church at the time, but he, he had been in church and in his words, he said, I, I thought I had it all figured out because I'd been around Christians and the whole deal. I thought I had it figured out, right? How many of you have ever been in part of your life? I thought I had it figured out. Anybody want to raise their hand and say, I thought I had it figured out at some point. When he came to church, he said, the minute I I opened the door and walked in, he said, I felt something and I can't explain it. I felt something. What was it? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the pneuma. You, You can't see it but it moves things and you can feel it when it's here, right? He sat in the services for a few weeks and little bit by little little bit, the Holy Spirit just began to open up his ears and open up his spiritual eyes. And then in June of last summer, he gave his life to Christ right here in this room. He walked out of this place and his life was, was transformed like he was born, like he was changed. And Callie, who had invited him to church, saw this transformation in his life. It was like, What is that? She said, I, I've been in church. i have not, I don't know what that is. She, she said, I don't know, I, I knew, but this, I, didn't experience, I haven't experienced that. So a couple of weeks after that, she realized she needed to give her life to Christ. And last summer, we baptized both of them. Let's praise God for them and that story. Yeah. Some of you might be in the same shoes. We don't know why today was the day. We don't know why you're you're here. Maybe it's a random thing that you're here today. And I'm quite positive there's been a series of events in your life that have been, you've been feeling something and today, it's just like becoming clearer and clearer. You've never been born again. And today, you need to change that. And so for you, the hold on, let go is like, okay, am I gonna let go of these things? Might be pride, might be my, my previous knowledge. Am I gonna hold on to faith in Jesus and, and truly give my life to Christ? I, I wanna give you a chance to do that today. And this, this is a, a prayer that I'll lead you in, but it's not like some special prayer. It's just like, like, you're, you, you want this. God is speaking to you. He's doing the saving. But this is kind of like your commitment. This is you verbalizing, yes, I'm with you, Jesus, and I commit. to you." So use your own words, but this tends to be a helpful guide. If you want to do that, let's just all bow our heads. And let me just encourage you to make this prayer your commitment to Jesus right now. Just say, Heavenly Father, I confess that I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I believe he rose from the grave. And so now I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and save me right now. I commit my life to you, Jesus.